What's up, my beautiful gemsters? Welcome back to another segment here on Gems Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, the founder and host for those seasoned listeners. Welcome in, my beautiful gemster. And with me today in the hot seat is Katie Tomaszewski, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about who she is before we dive into the recording fully. So um, Katie is a 15-year advocate for holistic health and transformative wellness. In 2018, she introduced Drynamics, a highly effective body-centered sobriety method, addressing the full body experience of craving. Using temporary sobriety, Katie guides individuals in healing maladaptive physical responses, boosting confidence, and enhancing overall well-being. But that's not it. As a respect faculty member at the Language and Breath School. Katie's commitment extends beyond fitness. In 2017, she founded Deep Line Health Club, an inclusive Pilates and wellness studio, and now inspires clients through Forward Motion, a compassion-driven wellness program. Katie's fervor for community and well-being drives her international coaching programs. Workshops and retreats. When not empowering, what is Katie doing? She enjoys time with her daughter, business ventures, hiking, and animals. With Katie, expect genuine mind-body integration, enduring change, and a life filled with a vitality, something we all need. Because I like to say, you can't enjoy your wealth without good health. So without further ado, let's welcome Katie Tomaszewski. <laughs> Hello, Genesis. Thank you for that introduction. My pleasure. And thank you so much for just coming on here to share a whole space with us. And I always like my guests to be relaxed and, you know, share a little bit about themselves before we dive into the meat and potatoes. So we could do that by getting to know you with either a rapid fire 10 question game or an icebreaker. What are you in the mood for? Let's do an icebreaker. Okie dokie. Y'all, we're breaking the ice (laughs) with Katie. So Katie, I want you to share something that you have done in your life that people from the outside looking in may have thought it was crazy, but it actually built your character and you learned a little bit more about yourself personally and professionally. Well, two things come to mind. Um, First off is getting rid of alcohol. That Mm -hmm. seemed crazy because I um, didn't fit the mold of somebody that should get rid of alcohol based on what our culture kind of believes about alcohol, Um, that if you can, you should. And um, so that was definitely the most impactful thing I've ever done for my business and personal life as far as making a change that just shifted everything. Um, But I chose icebreaker because right now I'm in Chicago and I do cold exposure. And so I had to like go with that ice theme. And that's another thing that people are like, like, but why? (laughs) But why would you do that? Chicago is cold enough. Um, And it has given me the Um, It's been a major supporter for me of emotional resilience and stress tolerance, and it's helped me take risks and it's a great community. So yeah, that's another one that looks a little crazy from the outside, but. 
Okay, I'm gonna ask a follow-up question. What exactly is cold exposure? So it can be a lot of things. Um, it, it can be walking outside without your coat and just relaxing, being intentional about exposing yourself to, to cold versus I'm outside, get as warm as possible, make it as short as possible, stay in it. And so that's sort of like the easiest way that's most accessible is just to step outside with lighter clothes. Um, you can get in a cold shower, you can get into an ice bath, you can get into a frozen lake. Um, you can jump into the ocean in Alaska, which I've done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, it's worse than you think it's going to be in your mind. You think it's going to be like jumping into razor blades. It's not what happens. Um, but it's such a powerful, powerful thing yeah. to train yourself to, to get over that huge fear. Cause what sounds worse than that? Like anything. And it's so harmless. So it's, it's a great, it's a great training. I love that. The only thing I've done, like as in cold exposure, what that may fall in line with this was chirotherapy, where you're, mm -hmm. you go into the chamber and it's like super cold y'all. And I not a cold cause I'm a tropical through and through girl. And if you know me, you know, both my parents um, are from tropical places. My father was from Curaçao, so off the tip of Venezuela and my mom is West Indian. So she's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So both tropical um, places and <laughs> blood running through me. But thank you so much, Katie, for sharing that. Now we're gonna dive into the work that you're doing, which is like some of the stuff you're passionate about that, you know, I think more and more people are interested in taking the plunge to say, no more alcohol, but you know, based on societal norms or like doing certain things, they're like, it's so hard. So I know you have sober curiosity and sober break. So I want to talk about the beginning. And the reason why I say the beginning of you is because in order to get to where you are now, you had to go through the hard things, which is saying, no, I'm going to put the wine down. I'm going to put the beer down, the, the cocktails, all of that stuff. So what was your breaking point where you said this lifestyle no longer is for me and I'm not going to allow it to condition me. Um, I started paying attention when I was about 33 and I was already, I, I have a degree in health sciences and nutrition. I had been teaching Pilates. I'm in this world of wellness, which by the way, is a very heavy drinking world, like all the worlds. <laughs> and, um, but I, I started to be more aware about things. My daughter was young and I would feel really disappointed in myself when I would lose my temper. I was a single mom and um, that really uh, gave me a lot of stress and anxiety. The fact that I felt like my anger was out of control at times. Mm -hmm. And so I started tracking at that and it was really in alignment with alcohol use. So mm -hmm. times that I didn't use alcohol, I would feel like I'd have less anxiety. I'd sleep better. And so therefore I was a gentler parent, which was what I was always striving to be. Um, at the same time, I was trying to grow my business and I just had a lot of ideas, but you know, the weekend would come and I would talk about what I wanted to do, but I didn't, when the week came, my motivation was low because I had drank the whole weekend. And so I was detoxing and I was tired and you know, a little insecure and anxious. These are the feelings that come with low level detox. And I just, I just really had to look at myself and be like, this is not helping me get where I want to be. This is keeping me stuck. And I, it felt very extreme, but I didn't think I was going to ever stop drinking. I was just going to use a break to get ahead. Mm, and okay. so, yeah. 
And so that's where I started. And I like the fact that you said you paid attention to how you were feeling and the behavior that came out of how you were feeling. And then you link that to alcohol because sometimes we feel certain things, but we don't necessarily go within ourselves internally to do that RCA, y'all, which is that root cause analysis to see where is this stemming from? And is this something that is sustainable for me? Or is this something that is causing me to remain part or procrastinate or whatever the case may be? And then also whenever you are a mother, I'm a mother of a young child myself currently, you begin to look and say, okay, what example am I setting for my child? How are they viewing me through their lens? And are these the same lens that I want to view myself with? So I love the fact that you paid attention to you, number one, because you can't take care of somebody else if you're not whole. So when you think about, okay, I'm stepping away from it and you're going through this detox, Sometimes people don't really connect with the detox, which I feel like that's the part that they should connect with too in order to help them see, okay, why should I keep going along this path of becoming you know, sober? And I have a good girlfriend of mine who is sober and I just commend her because we just celebrated her weekend and we went to Austin and 6th Street is like a big party street and no one had alcohol because we were standing in solidarity with her for what she has accomplished. Yes, I would have wanted a wine because I was away from the hubby or the baby. But then I'm like, I'm standing with my girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you because that's not, um, that doesn't always happen. And there's a lot of people who decide not to drink and they don't want that to happen because they don't want people to resent hanging out with them. And so they're trying to figure out how they can just be around alcohol. So, um, there's a, like, everybody's different, right? Like what they want and what feels supportive to them. But, um, I have found that when I stopped drinking and even before I had stopped, I had like two friends that didn't drink. And I noticed like, it was really shocking to me, like the amount of times that we had hung out and not drank together because everybody that else that I was friends with, we drank a lot and they were both older than me. And I just kind of was like, didn't know it was possible to have a good time and connect or do anything really without drinking. And so they were kind of expanders for me to see mm -hmm. that it is possible. And I really looked forward to the time that we were together because I wouldn't have to deal with the hangover. And so that's what I found um, socially that people know I don't drink. And it's a, sometimes a relief because there's also that obligation to drink at times. Mm -hmm. And that can be like, oh, I really wanted to get some stuff done tonight, but I'm going to be a little buzzed. So there's no chance that's happening or you know, tomorrow morning will be a little foggy. I'm definitely not going to hit that yoga class. So I think that there is those moments of, 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 uh, missing out sort of, but there are gains on the other side. Yeah. And I'm just chuckling over here because I think about my husband, my husband hasn't drank, my husband's 40 now and he hasn't drank in like over 15 years or whatnot. So he has like a whole little speech, like he'll run down. And my girlfriend who just had her birthday, she um, said, oh, I remember when I met her husband for the first time. He's like, I don't chew, dip, smoke, snort, snip. He went through this little thing, but he made it as a funny song or drink. And then she's like, that stuck with her. And then when Whenever she like, you know, stopped smoking and stopped drinking, she's like, I thought about your husband and that little song that she 
um, that she heard from him. And I'm like, wow. But then another thing that stood out to me is setting boundaries for yourself, but also other people, because sometimes people do not want to respect the fact that we drink and they'll politely ask, Hey, um, can I get you something to drink? And you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm fine with water. Or sometimes if I want to be funny, because I know my husband, I'll, like, I'll have a virgin water. And they're like, what is that? You know, the lemons and the lime. <laughs> <laughs> I like that virgin water. I haven't heard that yet. And then they'll come back. Are you sure you don't want anything to drink? So how can you really set up those boundaries so people could respect the fact that you're on this sobriety journey? And I politely said no once. The second and third time just becomes irritating. Yeah. Well, I'll say for a lot of a lot of people talking about boundaries. Um, if you're used to always consuming alcohol every time it's offered, then that's already a sign that you're you're struggling with boundaries because we know that there are times that maybe even as a drinker, you would say no and stick to it. Um, but if that's something that's totally new for you, that's a big sign that there's some work to do with you advocating for yourself. And I'll often have people that I work with who they get through the detox phase. They're feeling great without alcohol. They're not craving alcohol. They're not wishing for alcohol, but they go out and they feel somebody else wants them to drink. And that is too much for them to bear. Mm. They are so conditioned to put others needs first Yes. that they will intoxicate themselves on their behalf. And by the way, that other person may or may not have even wanted it, but the idea of it alone is like, let me just drink. I don't want to be trouble. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And so, yeah, just to say it, that's, that's kind of the heart of dynamics right there. It's like by you resisting and by you staying with yourself, that's teaching your, your, you're learning so much in every area of your life. You're learning how to do something that you haven't done yet. We're just using alcohol as a foundation, as a platform, as a tool. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. How does somebody deal with that? I always, I, I encourage honesty, you know, don't say you're on antibiotics or something like that. You, you can say I'm, I'm doing a cleanse right now. I haven't been sleeping well. Or I've been a little anxious and I noticed I'm not that way when I don't drink. So I'm trying a cleanse. I'm feeling really good. You know, keep it positive, keep it light. And, um, it's just really hard. The first handful of times you do it, it's going to feel like a lot in your body to say that, um, with a smile and try to make yourself believe it while you're still detoxing and you still kind of want it, but it's just about exposure. You do it enough times and your body acclimates to that and it stops getting, making you feel nervous. And then it's just normal. Yes. And it's almost like, you know, the sentiment where uh, some other people would say, oh, well, I'm not doing this because my body is my temple. Just like I value like certain tangible things like my car. I know I'm not going to put unleaded in my car that takes premium. So I'm not going to put unleaded alcohol in my body that is a premium being. So just thinking about certain things like that and getting a holistic viewpoint So how can um, we encourage and empower people to see sobriety as their secret weapon? Well, I mean, I just love that you said that as your secret weapon, it's, it's a coping strategy. Um, it, It is everything. And so when, what I, what I usually encourage people to do is, is be your own lab. You know, that's the best way to know, take a break, take a real break, not a week or two weeks, take a month, take a few months and see if things change for the better. It doesn't mean you have to stop drinking forever at that moment. You can take that information and you can go back to living your life before, but do it with awareness, do it with 
um, be it, be an investigator, collect data, be a scientist, right. And, and see with your own rational mind, how the data points set up, and then it becomes a risk reward analyzing, like, does this drug give me enough to have these consequences? Is it that great of an experience that whatever your body experiences, some people have chronic pain flares, if you're like me, you get anxiety or ruminating thoughts. Uh, maybe you're more uh, easily angered. Um, some people it's a sleep issue. Some people eat really bad for a couple of days after they drink alcohol. So, you know, what are, where are your values and how is alcohol interacting with them? And know that it doesn't have to look some kind of way. You don't have to start at day one. You can, it's a practice. Yeah. My background is in, is in Pilates where, where, um, I kind of almost modeled this after this, the, uh, after, um, I modeled dynamics after a Pilates practice, because I would have clients who would be really dedicated for a period of time and maybe even do a teacher training. Um, and then they would go for a bit and then they would not feel great. And they go, oops, I'm coming back. And then over time, it becomes a part of your life. And, and that's my experience with sobriety for um, non-recovery, right? We're not, we're not um, working with folks who feel powerless, who feel heavily addicted, who feel they have alcoholism. Mm -hmm. That's a different wheelhouse of skills and support. Um, but this is for that person who's in a habitual drinking pattern and just doesn't really know how to live without it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to ask about dynamics, but before I do, so you mentioned, you just mentioned a habitual drinking pattern, and yeah. I want to speak to the audience here. Sometimes these habitual habits, whether you realize it or not, it could stem from generational lineage. Like you've seen certain people in your past consume alcohol time and time again, because it was used as a coping mechanism to help them feel numb for certain things. But did you ever stop to think maybe if they change the environment or the situation, then they won't have to rely on alcohol as a coping mechanism to just add as a mask or a mere band-aid to get them through the next step, the next journey, the next um, over that next hurdle. So think about that. You're you are not your family lineage and you should not be subjective to your family lineage based on what you saw, or maybe industry. Certain industries, we've seen that those certain, like, let's say oil and gas, I was in oil and gas for 12 years, or high stress industries can cause you to do certain things. Like, you drink more because you're, you're stressed, you have these deadlines, you have, you know, these business trips, you hop off one plane, you do your meeting, hop back on another plane, whatever the case may be, and you're going, 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 and you're just trying to keep up, you're trying to keep up. But what about if you reposition yourself to incorporate exercise, deep breathing, walking, or some other modalities where you're not, you know, reaching for that bottle or reaching for that next drink. So I want y'all to think about that there because it's easier said than done. But if we just stop and observe our um, external things that's going around us and then con confide with ourselves, internally to say okay is it the external things that's causing me to think and feel a certain way that's causing me to react in a certain way I'm not an expert in that but that's just something I want to share because I actually shared this enlightenment with my freaking uncle where I'm like man you're drinking every day <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you're so right Genesis like everything you're saying it's like 
it is there there are factors right if you saw your family members drink for every occasion and to handle every emotion that is what you learned but is that what you need is that serving you and can you be brave enough to live differently and that's it's it's um it takes a lot of courage to maybe look and say wow this friendship Every time I see this friend, this friend, I have to drink. I cannot be around them without drinking. Is that a good friendship? This job, every time I go here, I have to drink. There's no way. Is that the right job for you? Use your desire to drink as an alarm, as a signal, not, not any different than having a migraine. Like if I got a migraine every time I was around a certain person, I probably would say, I'm not going to go to that person anymore. Um, but we tend to use alcohol to keep us doing things the same. We tend to use it so we can stay where we are because making change is terrifying. However, the root of confidence is courage. So by making this change, you are just going to catapult yourself into a space of confidence that is almost unmatchable, like where you could have this experience. Yeah. Um, if you're a drinker and you take it away, boom, it's so powerful. Love that. And now let's um, switch into dry dynamics because this is something that you came up with. So what led you to um, come up with the name dry dynamics first? <laughs> Um, well, so it was hard, you know, coming up for names of programs is always a thing. Uh, and I had a lot of different ideas, but because I was in movement, I was at that time, I was working full-time as a Pilates teacher. Um, and I was, I was incorporating the body into the program because that's what helped me. Like I didn't go to AA or a, an addiction therapist. I had my regular therapist. And then I went to private Pilates and energy workers and massage and engaging with my body on a regular basis as a reward for the, the hard work that I was doing and the money I was saving that helped me let go of it and it not feel so like I, I felt like I was getting something in return. So I always wanted it to feel like it's not a loss. It's a gain. We're using the removal of alcohol to fund this gain. And so um, that's where dynamics is like dynamic and inclusive and, and it's the whole body. It's not, it's not just about getting through days. It's about what's the, what's the experience here and how can we use things like meditation, breath work, and movement to change how you're feeling. Your nervous system is how you're feeling this desire to drink. If it doesn't feel bad, there's no problem. But when it feels bad, it becomes a very big problem. Mm. And this might be a silly question here, Katie, um, but have you ever thought about like just popping up shop and going to the AA and be like, hey, you know, I'm sober and let me tell you about dry dynamics. Like, I do, I do invite sober people to join our program if they'd like to, because it is like, again, it's, it's the tie that binds us, but, um, there are people out there who have given up alcohol, but they're not feeling great mm. and they haven't learned how to leverage this choice into something really positive. I think it feels like I shouldn't drink. No, you don't want to. Let me help you get to a place of not wanting to. It's not about should or shouldn't. Um, I don't drink because, you know, these bad things happen. 
take that away. Let's think about how, when you don't drink, you stay on track with all these other elements that bring you to another level that makes, that enhances your life in so many ways. So sober people are welcome to be a part of the program too. Um, and I have gone to AA meetings and it's just, it's not coaching. AA is a space, but it's not, it's not, it's not coaching. You're not going to be, um, challenged or questioned. In fact, in AA, they have something, what do they call it? No crosstalk. So if somebody has a share, you don't ask any questions about it. And that's, that's different in dynamics. It's very, um, interactive, conversational, engaging, challenging, you know, you're coming there to be have your beliefs challenged to come up against your edges. Um, so yeah, a little okay. different. And that's what I like, because like, sometimes when you're in like the AAs or these other groups, sometimes like they're more so going along with the motions with you. And when you leave there, what are you ending up with? You kind of pretty much had talk therapy, but like, how are you holding yourselves accountable? And I'm not sure if they do like coins or whatnot, because I've never been, but I'm like, if you have something that's like cutting edge and challenging, but then you also have other ways for them to supplement certain needs in their life, like, oh, when you feel the urge to pick up a bottle, I want you to do some stretching or some deep breathing or whatnot not then you're helping them form new habits and you know over time those habits now take the place of that very thing that was numbing them yeah for sure it's um you know aa is every group is going to be different and i know mm -hmm. a lot of people who have had such tremendous experiences with aa so i'm not anti aa mm -hmm. um but it's just different it's it's not coaching it is it is a space to know you're not alone and they and they have meetings everywhere and it's a huge community and it's absolutely free so like it's an important um thing out there but for the person who doesn't feel addicted who doesn't identify with that, but they just are like, but why do I keep doing this thing that I say I don't want to do, even though I don't feel addicted? That's yeah. those people are that the ones that that will really benefit from dynamics. Okay, so those are your avatars for uh, dynamics. So, what are some of the things that y'all do in uh, dynamics since it is coaching? Like, give us a quick rundown. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I'll get like really helicopter view on it because there's there's a lot and it's one of those <laughs> things where people come in and then they're like, wow, this really is a, like very much more than I expected as far yeah. as the experience. Um, but we meet weekly for uh, essentially like a strategy session. And that's where it's like how to not drink, right? And what's happening to your body when you drink and and these kinds of things. And it's educational. Um and, and we, we talk with each other and do breakout groups and that kind of thing. And then we have two other support meetings that are one's a meditation based support group. And one is a breathwork based support group where we do, um, half the session is a practice and the other half of the session is there almost more like an open, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? We have conversation. We come together. Everyone's connected through a chat. Um, and we have additional practitioners that come in and educate as well. So it's really like the body centered approach is because everything that we talk about and we teach is about how it feels, right? Like you need to come back into your body. A lot of us are very disconnected from our intuition, very disconnected, even from things like anxiety. We don't even think we're having it. Um, and, and the hard thing with that is you're missing warning signals. And sometimes that can lead to, uh, chronic pain or illness. Mm -hmm. And so really like, it's about 
becoming more aware and more sensitive of how you're feeling. So you don't have to agonize and make decisions about what to do or not to do. You just have to take a second and read your body. Your body will tell you. So um, that's kind of like a helicopter view. And that's the 30-day program. And then we go into those who want to keep going past the detox. We have a 90-day program. And that's for folks who are like, I really kind of want to get rid of this, but maybe I don't have support in my life, or maybe I'm just loving this support so much. And in there, we go a little deeper. We do a transomatic dialogue, which is this incredible um, meditation process um, where you go back to your a, a childhood memory and it's really beautiful and powerful. Um, and we continue with the strategy sessions and all the other elements. And then from there, there's also people will choose to finish the year. Um, those are the people who are like really going to the non-drinking lifestyle. They're like, yeah, no, I'm in it. And I just want to make sure I stay on track. Um, so that's the, the rundown of how the program works. And, um, we, bring people in once a year in January, the dynamic January, which is open right now for enrollment and everybody filters to the next level from that space. I love it. Y'all just got a helicopter mute. <laughs> Y'all better hop on the helicopter before it takes off. Oh, that is amazing. I'm over here just cheesing because I can't wait to like just share this um, segment with others who I know are going to benefit from it. So in order to keep the conversation going in the background, let's jump into the CTA, which is your call to action for the audience today. How can they um, get involved in your community? What is your website and where do you primarily hang out on social media? So I, um, I'll start with social media because I was hacked <gasps> in March. I lost everything, oh, everything. No. So I, I, I finally got back on Meta maybe not even a month ago. So I'm growing my social media. I would love to meet you over there. It is my name, Katie underscore Tomaszewski. So look at the show notes, but I'll be the only one there. Um, if you're local in Chicago, it's also Chicago cold club. If you want to come jump in the lake, you can come do that for free with us. Um, so that's where I am now. I'm back on Instagram and Facebook there. I did start LinkedIn when I was in during my hacking period, which I love LinkedIn. Oh my mm -hmm. God. What a superior <laughs> social media platform. Um, and, uh, so those are my main media media spaces. And then, uh, my website is deeplinehealth.com. That's the name of my practice, deepline health. It's, um, I'm going to spell it, but it'll be on the website. So I won't worry about that. It's one of those names that people are always like, what deep time help? Like hold on <laughs> deepline health. Yes. Um, Deeplinehealth.com. If you slash 2024, you'll see dynamics, but you'll also see dynamics from that page. Um, and as I mentioned, we are onboarding right now. Um, you can go to that dynamics page. It'll give you an option to book a call with me if you want to talk about it and your personal um, needs and see if it's a right fit. Go ahead and book a call. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, yeah. And what is one piece of homework that you want them to do for themselves after listening to this segment because I like to say what good is listening if you're not going to take what you heard and apply it to your life and share it with someone who may be in need well I would say the most important thing to do is to get some baseline awareness so here's what I would recommend that you do if you're a drinker first of all look at the last three months 
of your bills and just tally up what you spend on alcohol and alcohol related costs. Just know that um, people spend between five and $25,000 a year on alcohol. Um, so know where you're at. Yes. Is that, that's not even that bad, honestly. I mean, there's people who spend way more than that, but like a typical person. Um, and also notice the time because what value, I mean, money's money, but time, none of us have it. And a lot of drinkers and myself included spend about 30 hours a week drinking. And it seems like that's a lot. It's really not. It adds up really quick. And yes, you're doing other things and you're with friends and all of that, but take a look and see how much time do I spend consuming and recovering from consuming or acquiring the alcohol and just know your numbers so that you can decide, have you been trying to do a side hustle or is, you know, does it feel like you have no ability to get the things that you want or the time to do the things that you want? And do you have this amazing resource right here that you could explore uh, using in a different way for a little while see how you like that kind of life? I love it. And thank you so much for sharing it. Y'all go out there and do your homework. See how much money you're spending on alcohol and alcohol related activities and see, does this make sense? And see where you could, you know, re-diverse your money. So you just heard Katie Tomaszewski, all of her contact information will be in the show notes along with mine. My big ask, ASK, is for brand sponsors because it does take monetary resources to fuel the mission and movement to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational while also weaving in DEIMB, my personal favorites, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place, to leave it better than we found it. So on that note, I'm signing out, leaving you with peace, love, and lots of blessings. Get sober curiosity, share with your family and friends. Don't let that drink ruin you or ruin your amazing body. Everything happens in moderation. Love ya. (laughs)